0: This is Chuck Wendig, and you are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show. When we finish Wasted Space, which would be twenty to twenty-five issues, something like that. So let's say like four hundred comic pages, that's gonna take us, I don't know, over three years to do. Uh, where a novel, it's a third of that time to do more work by yourself. So there there's something to be said about like that, just taking stories like a little bit at a time and building and building and I like that because like you get opportunities to like, because it's a collaboration to grow organically together. And I think that like wasted space has only become better because we've all learned each other. We've all learned the story more. And every time we restart with a new issue is a new opportunity for us to do things better than we did before. Here's your host, Jamie Green.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and therorbots.com. You can find us on all the socials at thegbbpodcast and therorbots.com. And I am your host, Jamie Green. Welcome back to another week of great conversations. It's so fantastic to have you guys here. I love talking to you every week. I love seeing the subscribers. I love seeing the download numbers. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back. It is just me this week, so I am gonna just cut to the chase. No chit chat. This week I have the distinct pleasure of talking to Michael Morisi. Uh, he and I crossed paths online quite a while ago. We've been, you know, chit chatting on Twitter and, and whatnot. And we actually both write occasionally for StarWars.com. And, oh, gosh, I don't know, at least a year ago now, they put us together uh, to co-write an article because we both have kids that are about the same age and we have both written about uh, exposing our children to Star Wars and how we watch it with them. So we got together and we wrote an article, or we we really just had a conversation and then just kind of wrote it up um, about how our kids were first, um, first encountered Star Wars and, and the order that they went through and what they glommed onto the most and what they seemed to, to really dig about the franchise. So we had a really great conversation back then, and we kind of just hit it off and we've kept in touch. And uh, when his first novel came out, Black Star Renegades, uh, I really, really liked it. I really dug it. It's uh, It's obviously very influenced by Star Wars, um, I was kind of giving him a hard time. It feels like it started off as Star Wars fanfic and then just sort of spiraled from there. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I mean that as a compliment. Uh, but I, I wrote that up for the robots, and I can link to all this stuff if you guys are interested. Uh, but he his the sequel to that book just came out. We are mayhem. Uh, just as much fun. So if you enjoyed the first one definitely check that out it's it's quite a ride it's a really cool story with a lot of a lot of familiar elements and a lot of really unique elements uh but he is more than just uh those two books uh, those two books would probably be enough but he is also a very prolific uh writer in uh, comics and graphic novels he has written uh extensively for a lot of the 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 established ips he's written for dc superheroes he wrote archie meets batman 66 which was a ton of fun he's written Battlestar galactica he's actually writing star wars now with star wars adventures a few a few issues here and there uh he's also written roche limit for image comics and the big one he's got going on right now is wasted space for vault comics and that was there was just an announcement uh, that that stat series has been extended to, to 25 issues, which is phenomenal for a storyteller. It means he has more room to explore the characters, more room to tell the story in the way that he wants. So I, that, I'm really excited for him for that. It was also just announced that he has made a long-term multi-project deal with Vault, uh, the, the publisher of Wasted Space, for... Um, obviously multiple projects. They they haven't announced all of them. What they have announced is that he's going to be writing a tie-in comic for a video game. Uh, I believe it's Drifters. And the biggest news that came out of that announcement was that he's going to be doing a full-cast audio adaptation of Wasted Space. And if you have listened to the show at all, you know I'm a huge fan of audio. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks and these full-cast dramatizations that are coming out now. Star Wars just did their first one in a long time with um, Kevin Scott's... Um, Count Dooku book, but uh, there have been I, I wrote up and there's there's been a number of Aliens um, full cast. Audible did a number of originals. Uh, they took the books and then full cast adaptations of set in the Aliens universe. And there's just a ton of these out there now. And uh, I don't know why there aren't more because they're just so much fun. And it, if you're not a fan of audiobooks because you don't just like the one narrator sometimes dryly reading you a book these full cast adaptations are so much fun because they are exactly that they're a full cast they got sound effects they've got music it's like you're listening to a movie or it's like you're listening to an old-time radio show um but it's a kick-ass story and so wasted space is heading in that direction which i am super excited about i can't wait to hear that and i can't wait to see what else comes out of this long-term deal he has with vault so congratulations mike it's amazing to hear, it's amazing to see, and we can't wait to see what's coming out of this project. Uh, but for now, let's uh, jump right into my conversation with Michael Morisi, and uh, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about his, um, well, you know what, I'm just going to shut up. I, say, I do this every week. I, I tell you what we talk about, and then you go and listen to what we talk about. So we talk about a ton of stuff. Uh, Star Wars, not Star Wars, great stuff. Go ahead, listen. Michael Morisi uh, fantastic conversation and thank you guys for coming back week after week and hitting subscribe i really do appreciate it next week we've got another fantastic conversation so do come back you're not going to be disappointed i am jamie green you can find me at the Roarbots. you can find the show at the Roarbots and the gbb podcast and i will see you guys next week take care I'm kind of, I'm always interested about what people did before they do the thing that they're known for. Um, and before you came, became a quote unquote, a full-time writer, uh, what were you doing before? Like what, what,
0: what did you do before you, you, you took that leap? Um, I was a full-time writer. <laughs> <laughs> always, really? <laughs> no, well, I was I, in a different capacity. I, um, okay. so I worked um this is this was actually it was actually a really good gig I've had a history of bad ones but the, the <laughs> last one that I held was um I was at my uh, alma mater which is uh, out here I'm in Chicago it's a Northwestern University mm-hmm. um and I worked um doing um a combination of research and writing um so basically my job was it's kind of it was kind of cool because like we were I worked in this department uh, that had to do with stewardship and gift giving and stuff like that. and people would give gifts to the university um, more frequently than I think anyone would ever assume. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's a, I think most universities um, the average is like sixty uh, percent of their revenue comes from uh, gifts really uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I, I never would have known that. But uh, yeah, they're less the more dependent on that than tuition. Um, for the most part, I'm sure there's exceptions. But so people make these gifts. Um, and my job was to uh, research the gifts uh, to find out exactly like what they were giving for. So like if it was, um, you know, a gift to a specific department, They'd be like you know what are they gonna do with this gift because the gifts could have been anything from like scholarships to sure. uh, um, you know building uh, maintenance or a you know, new building or whatever or to a specific a specific faculty member uh, to support his or her research you know their research um, so um, so I would research this gift and be like okay well here's what it is here's what it's gonna do and that would be uh, for the use two uses one would be for the president himself um, so he would know okay you know when I talk talk to these people who just gave you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> I, I know what, what they're doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so vet it. make them
1: feel special like you like they like people know what's going on with their life right <laughs> yeah exactly
0: and <laughs> we cared about that quarter million exactly that up. <laughs> um, um and then also to you know have a correspondence with the with the donors sometimes it's individuals sometimes it's corporations um but mainly, it's, you know, individuals, uh, alumni, stuff like that, uh, and just, you know, a way of saying thanks and keeping them up to date with what's going on with their gift. Um, so it was kind of interesting. It's an interesting look inside the university life and also to like, really, a lot of his stuff was medical. So it was a, yeah. there was a big medical campus. So I actually learned some stuff, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is rare for me, um, but I did this time. Um, How so long cool. did you do that? uh like a shade under four years all
1: right so all right i'm gonna we're not gonna talk about this the entire time but now i'm curious no go um, for it <laughs> so 60 percent of a school's resume, revenue comes through gifts like that but how like how many people full-time does it take basically fundraising and, and asking and, and and making the rounds to donors and, and trying to get that money because I can't imagine it all comes just like a river flowing to them without having to be asked.
0: No, yeah, it's a whole. It's it's kind of changing the face of uh, collegiate life. Because we had a, we actually had a pretty robust uh, staff. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many. Because we had just had our general department, which is our mm-hmm. uh, donor relations, and then there was every school. Every individual school had their own uh, basically stewardship and, uh, uh, fundraising teams. We were in the middle when I worked there, I was hired specifically for this campaign. Um, that was just going to be, you know, it's more or less a campaign that lasts forever. You know, if there's mm-hmm. like one campaign, they take a break, they go in the silent phase, the next one, then it's another campaign. But our goal, it was, I believe $3.65 billion. Billion with a B billion with a B wow uh, and we made, they made it I, I I left before the campaign was over but I still see it in the news because it's a you know it's a big thing I know that I believe, is a big thing yeah I believe they hit four billion I believe holy moly yeah there was at one point uh this is crazy um uh Warren Buffett's sister birdie Buffett uh donated uh this is a big you know we had a ceremony it was a huge thing she donated uh 100 million dollars <laughs> just and you know, we've actually, that's actually uh, matches, I believe it matched the biggest gift, but those gifts would be like spread out over years, you know, yeah, like for yeah. a long time. Birdie just cut a check. <laughs> like literally wrote a check. What,
1: what must that kind of life be like? You know? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, but that's also just one school, you know? I just think about the amount of money flowing back and forth with the number of Colleges and universities in this country, that, and the number of donors.
0: Well, it's become, like, it, but now it's create this whole thing that it's like an arms race between universities, you know, because yeah. like everyone's getting the newest building, and now oh well, you Northwestern know, got this newest facility, so now DePaul's got to get these new facilities, and now we've got to come up with this money, and then, you know, you've got donor, you have you got to hire staff to. Raise the money, but then in the interim, you're kind of shouldering the burden. You're putting that burden off to school. You know, students and tuitions are ballooning. So, is this? Yeah, a good I was going to say
1: tuitions continue to go up. I mean, it doesn't matter if somebody wrote uh, you know a hundred million
0: dollar check; like they're still going to charge the students more every year. You know? Yeah, it's. and I mean, it's it's a really problematic thing that I think people are starting to look at because this industry. Uh, rose really fast, and now, like I said, is creating this these conditions in which, you know, universities are bringing in a lot of money, but like they're all they're they're using a lot of it for like new buildings and high tech this and yeah, universities need that. You need the latest technology, sure. and students do, but there is also like something to be said about like taking that burden off of students because it's yep. it's not getting better. <laughs> no,
1: and as a parent, I kind of I am I am. Not looking forward to how much tuition is going to be when my kids are ready to go to college. Uh, I mean,
0: I, I, it's, <laughs> yes, it's terrifying. It is
1: it is horrifying. I mean, I think about it now. I compare what prices are now just to the school that I went to, you know, for 20 years ago when I graduated or 24 or five years ago when I started. And it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous how much the The tuition has ballooned in twenty five years. There's
0: nothing. I, I can't imagine anything that matches that rate of inflation. I mean, it, it, maybe there is, but I sure can't think of it. It's yeah. insane. It's insane. Um, I've heard I've heard some people say that like the leveling point is like around on the horizon. it's gonna you're gonna see a, a drop off soon. But I don't know. But that,
1: do, but that doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think
0: tuitions are ever going to go down. You know, I don't know the conditions in which they can, because I know even yeah. despite how much colleges make, I know that there still many are struggling, and yeah. uh, so uh, I don't know how you can possibly do that. You have to raise more funds. But I feel like college. How many times can you go back to the Bernie Buffett well? I mean, I mean yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, okay, let's let's get back to you. Yeah, I have to <laughs> I have to sell 10 million copies of my new book so I can go to put my kids in college. So we'll,
1: we'll do our part here. We'll do our part. <laughs> uh, but while you were doing that, while you were working um, you know, raising money for school and trying to, you know, follow the money, you were writing for yourself, I'm sure, at, you know, in the times in the corners of the day that you had, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So what made you comfortable making that leap from full-time writer for a university with a salary and I'm I'm assuming insurance and all that to becoming a full-time writer with no guarantees? Um,
0: you know, it was weird. It was this time that the stars aligned. Um, mm-hmm. I remember it was uh, December what is it? 2019. So it was December of 15. So it was just before, um, cause I quit in February of 2016. Cause it's just about, just been about three years. So anyways, December 15 and in within the span of that month. And this is after it's funny cause everything came together, but this is after like, you know, years of desperation and trying <laughs> to get to this point. <laughs> um, so two things happened. Um, one, um, DC comics, um, launched their, um, their writer's program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got invited to be part of the, um, um, the, the beta, I guess it was, it was the first one. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, I, you know, there was kind of a, not a promise of work, but like a good chance you're going to do some DC work. And that's like, you know, well, sure well paying, stable enough, you, you assume. Um, so that happened and um, I got my first book deal for uh, Black Star Renegades that happened both in the same month. And uh, go ahead, sorry.
1: No, 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 continue.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, that was the last part. I mean, it was also a matter of like, not only like, okay, like I have this advance from the book that'll see me through for a while, uh, and I have like this DC stuff. It was also like financially was like this can work, but it was also like I, I was already so burned out with writing yeah. nights where I was like I it's either I have to quit and do this or I cannot do it um, yeah okay so two questions out of that sure um
1: I'm trying to decide which I'm gonna ask first so okay so your first book deal comes around how did that work without I mean coming from where you were and and what you had done up until that point I mean I don't know how much you had published you know before then but how how did for for people who are out there struggling this sounds like this sounds very hopeful you know like well he he didn't have anything published and then suddenly boom a a book contract lands in his lap and i'm sure it didn't just land in your lap but how did like how did that come about for you in terms of getting your first book contract with without one I mean, first one obviously you don't have anything beforehand, but you know what I mean. Like, how did how did you make that work for you? Like, how did that come to you? Uh,
0: okay, it kind of just landed in my lap. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> and at this point, everybody now hates you, so now you got to dig yourself out of this hole. I guess, so
0: I will, because you know, ostensibly it did. Like, so um, I'd become friends. So I'll tell the I'll tell the story that l- makes that look better. Um, okay. So it was. Uh, I remember it was a Halloween signing that I did. I drove to Milwaukee and I forget, I think one of my, uh, Roche limit, my image book was out and this is, I was still working, still like, just like working Mm -hmm. all day, working all night, you know, that kind of thing. And I got invited to drive to Milwaukee, which is only like an hour and a half for me, um, to do a signing. And it was crazy. It was a signing with, uh, um, Howard shaken, um, Mm. uh, Greg Hurwitz and Dwayne Straczynski. Okay. And i never met any of them, uh, but Dwayne and I really hit it off. We became, you know, we just became buddies and we're still friends to this day. He's a terrific, terrific, wonderful human being. Um, and we went to, you know, afterwards to get some drinks and this and that. And we were talking and he, he, he does, you know, comics uh, and prose. And I would mention him how much I wanted to do that. Cause I come out of a prose background. I'd written a novel that um, didn't get published, uh, <laughs> you know to thankfully for us all (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and uh and he was like well my the editor he wasn't working with now he had you know jump publishers he's like there's this editor and his name is mark who's like is a huge comic fan he loves this kind of stuff i'll put you into contact so dwayne being a wonderful person actually followed through on that uh and i met mark and we became like pretty good buddies too like we we would like hang out when i went to new york we would just have good times but i was i was pitching him all the while and i pitched him for like 2 years of like solid pitches of like a lot of work into that and they were hmm. um uh you rejected every single pitch that i ever sent him was Totally rejected, uh, mm-hmm. without promise for anything else. Uh, <laughs> and not
1: even like we, we we like the you know we like we see what we see, but maybe if you could fix this and that, it was just a flat out no. It was a flat no. <laughs> <laughs> Got
0: it. Okay. Um, and then strangely, one day, and I think uh, and my publisher is St. Martin's Macmillan, and I think what I assume what happens, I don't know this part for sure, but I think they were with when Star Wars was announced, you know, the Disney deal and it was coming back. I think they wanted to like get in on the star Wars game, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he knew I was a huge star Wars fan and he called me and he's like, Hey, I want to do a star Wars book. Can you do mm-hmm. something like that? You know, I know you're a big, you're a star Wars nerd. You're the biggest one I know. And I was like, absolutely. <sighs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it did. I mean, like it's weird. Cause it like, it's that, you know, 90% of life is showing up, you know, and I'd shown yeah. up for so long and, and, re- stayed on mark's radar and we were friends exactly this and that so it it ended up working that when the opportunity arose he was like oh i know the guy you know yeah uh and i took off from there now did
1: you already have i'm assuming that was black star renegades
0: yes i had yeah i had nothing
1: was that idea already living in your head or did you think have to be like all right hmm,
0: star wars influence where can i go from here Um, it was ready. My, it was, nothing was in my head. Um, and I had two weeks. (laughs) I had two weeks. Uh, I mean, this was like, like fast track. I had two weeks to come up with the idea. Mark came back. We did like a minor round of tweets, tweaks. Uh, and he was like, okay, let's do it. We're going to do two books. And I was like, Jesus, there's barely enough for like a chapter. (laughs) And, um, and then I had, uh 8 months or so to write it. Uh so it was this is went fast, very very fast. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: So the the book is it's it's a trilogy now, right? Uh well,
0: no, there's just the two. I mean, no. I hope to do more. Oh, no, But I mean, it's is it going to be? No, as of right now, we don't that's okay. a 50-50, I think. Okay. All
1: right. So that's so okay you're actually you you put me right into my 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 follow-up that i was going to ask you about is because i know publishers have a big appetite for series and and multiple book stories whether it's a duology or a trilogy or, or whatever what have you um when that decision comes from the author i think it's usually um led by the, by the storytelling, you know, this, the story is big enough that I I, I need to two books or I need three books. And it's this arc that that has to take its time to get there. But when it comes from the publisher, it's more often than not, it feels driven by marketing. Um And so I, for you, you know, you sat down, you, you hastily re- got this pitch out and then he said, okay, two books. And from what it sounds like, you were, you know, you were would have been happy with a single book to tell the story that you wanted how hard was it for you then to, to stretch it out into two
0: um it was actually not so bad um and i'm actually glad it was two because you know i wrote one i wrote book one in such a fury you know uh yeah um that like um i was just I was just going and it, it, the book is propelled by such, you know, nervous energy that, that I'm glad exists. I wish it was a little more polished. Um, but um, in that like fury, like I had so many ideas and so much stuff that I wanted to do. And I felt like so much stuff that, um that I didn't do, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't have the opportunity to go because it all at that time I look back and it's like, I don't even, it's like, you know, you're a parent. And it's like those first like year mm-hmm. that you look back. And you're like, I don't know what happened. I know <laughs> we made it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and that's how this book was. And it was just like um, it, it just it was such a it was such a fast moving, uh, kinetic, wild experience. And um, when I got the second crack at it, and I had all these ideas that I couldn't get in, and all this like kind of depth of character that I didn't get to get to explore. Um, I was like, Okay, well, I, I had more time, I think I had like t- 14 months to write the next one. And I all the stuff I want to do. And it was nice to be able to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and say, Okay, well, w- I have more time, I'm a little more polished now, because I just went through this experience. Um, how do I do this now? With with some, with a little bit of these liberties that I didn't have before. And, um, I think we are mayhem, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the first book, but I think we are mayhem is a, is a much better book because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, like I said, I'm glad I had that chance to do that because if it was just black star, I would have been thrilled with it. Don't get me wrong, but I also been like, I felt like, I would have felt like I left some on the table in terms of like exploring more depth than I would have, would have not have been able to otherwise. Do you outline? Oh, insanely.
1: Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So how much of the entire story did you have planned out while you were working on the first book? Or did what eventually became the second book sort of come later?
0: Um, A little bit of both. Because there was stuff that we ended up actually having to cut um, from the first book. uh, Because we wanted it to be a little bit shorter. Um, so there was just literal things that, um, I didn't, I didn't like put that, um, perfectly into book two. Um, but I had these like snippets and, and, and chapters in fact, that, um, we cut out that ended up being the foundation of book two. Um, but I had so I had one very very neatly outlined, and, and I was writing as I outlined a little bit because, again because of time, um, and I knew like where two was going to end up. Um, mm-hmm. there, were, there were seeds actually in one that carry over into two uh, that actually prove that I did have a plan, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know if they'll go noticed. I mean, because Kira's dad, th- there's a character that comes up in book two who's Kira's father. Um, who's actually in book one, and I and I knew at the time that that's that's who that character was. Okay. Um. So there was stuff that exists in there, um. And then you know I was I didn't get a chance to like really strictly outline book two before one was done, um. But once I I mean I started like immediately there was no downtime between the two books. Yeah. Um. So I was able to pick up those pieces that got you know exercised from from one pick up a lot of those ideas and then just again hit the ground running right away and start outlining and bring the story to where i inevitably saw it going
1: the um black star is clearly influenced by star wars um and as you said that was sort of the intent you know that's why they came to you they wanted something that hearkened to those themes and that that sensibility um did you carry that on with the second one i mean if if we for readers, because the book just came out, so for people who are going to pick this up, are, are they going to find more of what they loved from the first, or do you switch things up a little bit and maybe take it in a different direction?
0: Um, honestly, it's weird to say this because we we you know we went and we um in the big thing of the book first book like we are so overt with we wear it on our sleeves is that like like how do I say It's like Star Wars was, I don't say a selling point, but I guess it was sort of the selling point that we Mm -hmm. made a big deal. It was like a Star Wars influence thing. And, and we embraced that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to say like two is not, um, but Mm -hmm. definitely not to the extent, you know, two is very much like, um, you know, even one, I think um, is a deconstruction of Star Wars in some ways. Um, And, you know, like, I don't think that like – I think it's a mixture of both like the the homage and the deconstruction. But two mm-hmm. is like – two is its own mythology. Like and I didn't want to do another – I didn't want to do Empire Strikes Back, you know. Right. Um, I did not want – I mean I, I, I flurried with that idea and I just – didn't find it very uh creatively appealing to do not there's anything wrong with empire strikes (laughs) back um but i was like well this has to come its own story you know like this has to become if we're going to do more or not either way this has to be its own thing and i think that like two is like this is what the mythology is this is what this story is and i think that if i had another draft even of black star renegades i think it would have gotten further away but like you know we just have didn't have the because uh, every draft, the first draft was like, "Dear God, this is just Star Wars," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then subsequent drafts, it really became its own thing. Uh, and then yeah. Mayhem was the progression of like that. It's its own thing, um, and it's very much so. Is uh, you know, it's still those influences. It's still that like you know, Silver Age pulpy space adventure, mm-hmm. Star Wars, uh, even a little bit of Arthurian legend. Um, y- you can't get away from a certain degree of influence. Um, but I think that like now it's, it's mayhem is its own story and and I'm glad for that. Sure. If you
1: got the green light to do a third book, do you know where you would go?
0: Yeah. 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 There's a lot of it done (laughs) in fact, because, uh, we, I wrote it. So all the while, luckily I, I have an editor who's really, really honest and open and he's always been like, I want to do three. I don't know if we can do three. And he's been very clear. And I was like, well, I'm going to write two, like there's three. And I'm just going to just see, we're going to see what happens. Cause we, you know, in book publishing, I'm sure you've heard this before. Like the first year, even like sometimes when you have a multi-book contract, it's like two years before, you know, is this a Mm -hmm. success? You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, like right off the bat, but that was never this kind of book. (laughs) Um, So, so there's actually stuff that's cut out like the end of two, like I cut out like a chapter that like really set up what three is and even like an epilogue beyond that. Um, Mm -hmm. So part of it exists uh, just a matter of what we'll get there. But yeah, I do have an idea that like, and it only exists because, you know, two is it's, you know, again, like bringing out what that book is and what it's saying um, is an ex pure extension of, of the ideas that get um, developed and, and evolved throughout book two.
1: Yeah. If, if you're being honest, did, how much was it going through your mind as you were writing, I guess, Black Star specifically, um, that like, this is your moment. Like, like if, if I can nail this, maybe I can write for real Star Wars.
0: You know, like <laughs> how
1: much were you seeing that as sort of like the stepping stone or your
0: proving grounds? oh i mean undeniably all the time (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that's i mean you know i mean we're as star wars fans you know who doesn't dream of like you know i can i can be the next Zan, you know (laughs) uh yeah i mean that's i mean still think about that i want to write a star wars novel so much and i'm not you know i think the world very clearly knows that, <laughs>
1: uh, but I mean, it worked. You are ready for Star Wars. You write for the Star Wars
0: Adventures comic? yeah, yeah, which has been which has been so much fun. What's that been like? Uh, you know it's weird I, I I had this experience like I was like terrified at first. I was like, oh man, I got the thing I wished for, and now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done uh-uh. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but being being realistic though, like, it's been, I mean, first of all, it's been a great experience, but one of the coolest thing is, is that like, so one of the people who works for Lucasfilm in the story group, uh, Matt, um, mm-hmm. he, I didn't, I never interacted with them, Lucasfilm directly. Everything's through IDW and, and the editors, people there are super, super great. Um, but like everything that I pitched, I was like, you know what? I am gonna do this like i'm never gonna be able to do it again and who knows maybe Mm -hmm. that's the case um so the things that i pitched was all like this like you know all-star list of the weird star wars that i'm into like i like embo a lot and (laughs) Callus, and you know like Mm -hmm. uh so i was like i'm just gonna pitch this off the beaten path stuff that i like and i remember talking to matt and like you know expressing my gratitude thanks for being so cool because my none of my pitches got rejected so i had to do like you know the flight of the falcon for context as i'm sure you know it was like mm-hmm. five different backups leading to a one shot five different stories or six different stories um and they're like this is the there were like pitches we never saw before they were so weird and we loved them <laughs> and, <laughs> and i think that like um it went so well because like i had gone off you know the 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 beaten path where I think a lot of people want to tell certain Star Wars stories um, that we all we probably all want to see but I think I realize
1: everybody comes in they want it's like I want to write Batman or Superman everybody comes in and says I want to write Luke Leia and Han you know and I mean nobody comes in well I mean I think a few people might but like because I want to write Jackson you know like that would be me like I want to write the six foot bunny you know (laughs) but like I have to imagine that you know the the C tier characters when they get pitches for those those stand out
0: yeah i mean that's that yeah you're exactly right and that's my interest same as yours like it was funny i was pitching when jackson came back i was like jackson what (laughs) i know i was i was so happy (laughs) i know he's the best um (laughs) and they're doing such a good job like i love the other you know Kevin and and john jackson miller they're 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 such a good uh team of writers and um um so yeah no i mean so the experience was 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 great i mean i had a just a blast doing it the community has been so cool and friendly and you know i feel like i've been part of it anyway because i you know Mm -hmm. i'm just you know as a fan i've always been part of the community and and and, you know interacting with people and, and those sites and whoever um so now to kind of like be able to you know cross that threshold a little bit everyone's been awesome and it's been just a really fun experience and a positive experience and it's uh at a time when Star Wars uh, is short on positive experiences. It's short on positivity, <laughs> yeah. I was just going to
1: say, yeah. it's nice to hear stories like this.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't get um, – I didn't get any – no, no, no. I got one – I got a few where people were like literally – oh, dude, literally complaining like Star Wars is for kids now. I'm like this this is literally for kids. This this is the one thing. Yeah, it literally <laughs> like, is. <laughs> That's what, – what,
1: Like what are you complaining I don't about? I You're reading
0: the kids' <laughs> comics. So, yeah, that probably is – shading your perspective i suppose you know <laughs> <laughs> or coloring your perspective you know i'm just like oh boy yeah but i did get that <sighs> a few times i was like i don't know what to tell you man
1: <laughs> um i mean there's always going to be people that complain but it just feels like you're right it feels and this is you know no nothing surprising to anybody who is a fan or or is online and breathing but it's like I, star wars has become I don't want to use the word cesspool because it's not, but it's like the the negativity is just so far outweighing the positivity that I know exists and that I know is still there, but it feels like you have to go out of your way to find the positivity now. And that's not how it should be.
0: No, no. I mean, it's like anything else, you know, and it's like, it's, it's the loudest voices in the room, you know? And um, yeah. I don't know why they're so insistent just, which, which is so weird. You know, still people, see um i always see i never see the bad i never see it start the bad i see like the good people responding to something bad that's happened you know or that's been said yeah 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 um and i still people you know the whole it's a lot of last year i'm like it's
1: two years ago i i I can't (laughs) imagine still being angry about a movie that came out two years ago like no matter how much you like like okay we waited 10 years for episode one by and large most people didn't like it but we shut up about it after a couple of months. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't imagine still being so angry about a movie that two years later, I'm going to go online and tell other people how
0: wrong they are for liking it. It's, I mean, remarkable. <laughs> Uh, the the, the <laughs> persistence. I guess you kind of gotta admire the persistence in a way. You are like yeah, I, uh, to a certain degree, <laughs> you're like, maybe. Boy, you are dedicated. <laughs> 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 you are a dedicated. You are dedicated to being awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't. I mean, can you imagine being a sports fan and your favorite player goes zero for four, and and like you just yeah. you just can't do. You are just paralyzed by your anger. Like, yeah. I mean, look, man, it, it was one bad movie. They're, they're going to be making these yeah. movies forever. But see, the thing is,
1: it wasn't even a bad movie. Like, they just didn't right. like it. <laughs> you know what? There's lots of movies I didn't like, but I don't, I don't make it my personal life's mission to tell everybody who did like it how wrong and awful they are, you know? I mean, it's just, all right, we're not going to go off on this. But it's like, I just, I don't understand the mindset, you know, the, the,
0: the mindset that
1: it's all got to be about me.
0: You know? right like and that's the thing man. if you didn't if you didn't enjoy it like my brother didn't like last jedi he just like we walked out of theater and he was like nope <laughs> and and it's yeah. like fine but you know what he just he just that's it he he was like no no, no, no. yeah he will be there an opening night for episode nine he was there for opening night with solo of sure. me he loved it yeah I don't know that we talked about last Jedi. you know like it's fine. You, you don't you don't have to like it. No one's forcing you to like it. if you didn't, it's, it's, yeah, it sucks. You, we all want to love it, right? But yeah. but I mean, with a franchise as big as Star Wars, like
1: there's no way you can love everything. Oh, no it's way. like Star Trek. You know, Star Trek has been around for almost 60 years. Nobody loves everything about (laughs) Star Trek, you know, and it's the same thing about Star Wars. You know, for years and years and years, we lived with only three movies, you know, unless we're going to count the Ewok movies. And then we had six movies, you know, and then it slowly just ballooned out from there. So for years, we had this limited amount of content, which it was possible to love all of it. I just don't think that's possible anymore. And people are, are really having a hard time with yeah,
0: that. Yeah, I think that's the thing that like, I think you you touched on something really profound there. I think that's the thing that people are going to have to live with. Like it's not, Star Wars is not precious anymore. It's not, you know, yeah. it used to be, used to be like this like thing in amber, you know, basically. And it's not going to be that ever again. It's that, that, that preciousness is over. And that's, you're never yep. going to get it back. So you have to kind of accept that. And accept that, like it's sometimes, it's not going to be what you wanted to see, you know, et cetera. Uh, and just wait, get them the next time, or you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a really hard time with like a, with something that's going to be very, very robust for ever.
1: Yeah. And if this is if this is the causing the uh, the roadblock in your life,
0: you know, emotionally, <laughs>
1: then you're gonna have a hard time dealing with almost anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I oh boy. Oh, I, oh anyway, we'll come back to Star Wars in a minute. Oh, but you Jedi. you mentioned something earlier, um, and I said I had two questions. And oh I'm gonna yeah, come back to that now. Yeah, um, it's the DC Comics Writers Program. Oh yeah. So explain to me what that is and
0: what it does and how you how you got into that. Um, so basically, it's a program uh, for writers. There, uh, there's an artist one as well. Although I don't know if they do it anymore, so I don't want to say that it's ongoing. I know they did like three or four of each maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, what it does is cultivates, uh, you know, writers and artists into like the DC, um, you know, I don't say the DC universe, but you know, the DC world. Um, uh, My class, the writing class was taught by Scott Snyder, who, you know, of course everyone knows Batman, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, um, it was less of a class, of writing in, in general and more of a class of like superhero writing, like specifically, like here is what DC like wants to see from the writing uh, a, a certain amount of emotional stakes, certain amount of character stakes, um, how you kind of craft these things. And we wrote scripts. We each wrote, uh, every student wrote two scripts and we had, um, you know, we had a great class. Uh, we had, uh, you know, Matt Rosenberg was in there, Hannah Khan was in there, uh, Erica Schultz. Like we, we had a really vida Vita ayala was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a, we had a great class, a great collection of of, of writers, and um, um, I got in it. So this is the pilot, uh, not the of the pilot that I that I was in, and I honestly don't know how I got in. Like I, I got it was it was <laughs> invitation only the first time, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was working in comics. It's not like this was like um, new to me. And I was pitching DC at the time, nothing that had gone through. Um, So my name, I'm sure, was kicking around. But I'm sure, you know, a lot of names were kicking around. So how they decided on me, I'm not sure. I'm glad they did. Um, (laughs) But it was uh, was a cool experience. I definitely learned a lot and and did some DC work afterwards. Um, I'm still working on stuff now. And um, yeah, I mean, it was was definitely a game changer. So
1: when when it comes time to, you know, when you when you get a gig to write a Batman or, you know, a Planet of the Apes or or a Battlestar Galactica, all of these sandboxes that you've played in, you know, how do you separate your own personal fandom
0: from actually having a job to do? It's tough, you know, because like, yeah, you just wanna like like we talk about Star Wars, you just kinda wanna like, you know, your impulse is to just lean hard into what you love. Um, mm-hmm. whereas for me, what I've had to learn is like, you have to lean hard more into where the story is, you know, like with Battlestar, Battlestar was probably one of the toughest assignments I've ever had because Battlestar's continuity is, is so remarkably tight. You know, there's mm-hmm. not like, you know, a. Uh, uh, you know, Batman's different where there, you don't know what day it is. <laughs> you know, sure. Like, right. <laughs> um, where Battlestar, like, you kind of do. <laughs> um, like, there's really no days that are skipped. Uh, there's yeah. no... There's no unaccounted for
1: time. Right.
0: Except for yeah. uh, between uh, seasons two and three. is the only mm-hmm. real significant time jump that they actually pronounce is a time jump uh, when they're on New caprica um, so I had to like, while there's plenty of cool stories, I would like to have told with, with, with Baltar or, or with Adama or whatever, this is the only place that I can find that say, like, okay, here's where an actual story can fit. Um, and I'm, I really love like what we, what we did and like we created new characters, uh, but still had, you know, some of the classics in there with, with chief and, and, and Adama, but like, um, you have to like learn to distinguish like where's the story versus where is the passion. Um, and you want to have a good Venn diagram of both. Um, Mm. but you can, it's easy to get carried away with like the passion of like, this is the thing I love and this is the story I want to tell. Whereas you can, you do that. You can end up trying to, you know, put a, put a square peg in a round hole. Um, and that's, that's never a good thing.
1: How often do you have to just sort of rein yourself in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa this this is just turning into fanfic at this point? Um,
0: it's funny because, like, my Planet of the Apes, so they were, um, um, this is you know, Rise of the Planet, or, or Dawn, Dawn uh-huh. of the Planet of the Apes, the second movie, um, and, like, I, I saw that, I love Planet of the Apes, and I saw those movies, the first one, and I, and I knew what the second one was about, going into, like, writing this comic, and I was so just so excited i loved it so much and i remember writing the script and i remember being like talking to my editors and we, we were we were all gung-ho we were all so excited and it was like when the dust settled after like the movie was out for a bit and i was like wait 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 like this is we're, we're literally telling the same thing <laughs> like like <laughs> we just like just tweaked a little i was like we there's no way that we can do this <laughs> um because you get excited you know you get carried yeah. away and you love these stories and you want to tell like that story. And sometimes you end up telling like that story. That story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you find it difficult because you write comics and your novels, it seems to me almost at the same time. I mean, do you find it difficult to switch back and forth?
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've kind of struggled with um, lately because I'm trying, I've been trying to write another book in the, in the, uh, you know, just in case that like there is no Black Star Three, um, and um, it's been hard. Like it's hard to kind of switch gears. Like everything I've been writing, I've haven't been satisfied prose wise because it just feels like comics. They feel like prose comics, yeah. um, and that's not what a novel is. And um, comics are always going to be not ease. I guess easier for me because uh, I do much more of them, and I feel like I have that that. Uh, la- the language of comics baked into uh, my br- break into my brain more so than novels. Even though I read both, I- I'm an avid reader of both, uh, and I always will be. But it's it's been hard to switch g- back and forth. And it's funny because I've been thinking about that. I was like, How did I do this when I was writing Black Star? <laughs> and it was just maybe it's because I had a deadline. Maybe it's because I just had to, and I did. And because I-, yeah. I was, you know, writing the DC stuff and writing my own, you know, original stuff and Blackstar Now I don't have a nobody's really asking me for anything, you know? So I don't have anything like, you know, hanging over me that says that I have to write a novel. And now I'm more uh, right. cautious about it. Right.
1: Are, when you're talking about comics and I'm, I'm setting you up, cause I kind of know the answer to this, but is the, <laughs> is, is the lower word count and lower page
0: count, does that mean that they're easier? No. No, and I think <laughs> I think some people think that like, and it's like like, like it's funny because I was having a conversation recently where I was like, I recently saw well not recently but it was a few months ago that I saw uh, Tanisay Coates um, talk about um, how hard writing comics are is, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh thank God. <laughs> if he can say it, then I'm validating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, there is there is a certain sense that like, I mean, it, it, it is less time consuming. There's there's no way around it. Like writing a novel yeah. and like crafting prose versus writing a comic script, it's less time consuming. It's probably, you could say, arguably say easier. But maybe I can say that because probably the inverse might be like if someone who is writing, you know, prose full time then went back and was trying to write you know their first comic they might be yeah. like oh my god just let me go write prose it's so much easier um because just the it's a different and i think this is what you know gets taken for granted oftentimes that comics is its own language it's its own medium and like the storytelling is not if this isn't an apples to apples thing and that goes both ways um, but i think that like comics it's taken for granted it's like oh you're just writing you know you just kind of write a script and put in some dialogue it's like yeah in like 20 pages (laughs) you know like good luck (laughs) um and um it's it's challenging it's challenging to like learn the language the visual and and um story language of comics is is really really challenging there is a very a subtle thing that's going on there and i don't even get it right all the time i don't um but there it does exist and um it can present challenges that you don't expect.
1: Yeah. It's funny because, and I I wish I could say who I saw tweet this. Um, Somebody, somebody well-known, some well-known writer who's in in DC because it was about Batman, but he was writing and he, uh, the self-deprecating humor that you have to have when you're a comic book writer, because he was saying like, listen, this is what I do as a writer. And he shows a script and it just says like Batman fights ninjas. (laughs) And he said, this is what the artist does. And then he shows this page of like nine panels of like intricately detailed fight choreography with Batman coming at ninjas. And it's just like totally different. And he's like, a writer is only as good as the artist
0: that he's, he's, he's assigned, with, assigned to. Um, yeah. And I know who you're talking about and I can say, I can assure you he's being very modest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he is. I mean, it was
1: one specific example taken to an extreme, but I, I just thought that like, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people when they talk and it's unfair to when, when people review comics or talk about comics, when they only mention the author or they only mention the writer, because it's a visual medium. You know, I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that the artist deserves all the credit either, but I think it is, it's very much a shared effort, any book that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a visual medium and it's its a collaborative medium, you know, that like, um, and that goes to, to everybody, to, to uh, artist, letter, colorist, editor, uh, designer. Um, you know, I look at, uh, you know, Wasted Space and I, like, I can't fathom doing that book without Hayden you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. Hayden Sherman. Um, he adds so much texture and life a- a- and story to it that, um, like there's, there's no way it's inconceivable. <laughs> um, he, yeah. it, it, that book is every amount his as it is mine. Um, and he deserves, I want him to win Eisner's <laughs> because <he's, laughs> he is a, just a great storytelling a great imagination, a great, unique voice in comics and and a a wonderful person too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely the truth of the medium is that it's, it's a visual medium. It is. And, um, you know, when you have somebody who can really like, you know, tell a story in such a unique visual way, that's a special thing. That is a really, really special thing.
1: Yeah. Is is that part of what makes it difficult to switch back and forth between comics and prose? Is it, you know, it's not only switching between thinking visually and then thinking narratively, but also a lack of a collaborator? Like, do you, when you work on several comic scripts back to back, do you find that you um, come to rely on that collaboration to tell the story? And then when you sit down at the keyboard to write a book, like, suddenly you're, that lonely writer
0: again, yeah, yeah, and I think that there's like there's a few things in that. Um, one, you're absolutely right, um, and and you you it's it's a relationship that like all of a sudden that relationship's gone. You know, mm-hmm. now you're a solo. You 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 left the band and now you're a solo <laughs> artist, and that never works. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and unless you're Beyonce, and then it right, works. well, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Beyonce, for sure. (laughs) I am not Beyonce. (laughs) Nobody is, except for her. No. (laughs) Um, But there's also like the compartmentalization of comics, where like you're turning a script and you're getting you're you're developing these 20 pages chunks at like at at a remarkable clip. Um, So like you you get these pauses where you're like, okay, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what we've done. You're, you're examining these small chunks at a time and then you go to the next small chunk where, you know, novel's like, all right, well, all right, go write 350 pages and let me know when you're ready. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's 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 a lot. That is a lot. I mean, I mean, when we finish Wasted Space, which would be uh, 20 to 25 issues, something like that. So let's say like 400 comic pages. Um, that's going to take us uh I don't know over three years to do mm. uh we a novel it's a third of that time to do more work yeah um you know solo by yourself. So there there's something to be said about like that just taking stories like a little bit at a time and building and building and I like that because like you get opportunities to like organically cut because it's a collaboration to grow organically together and I think that like, you know, and I keep going back to it because this is what I'm working on, but wasted space has only become better because we've all learned each other. We've all learned the story more. And every, you know, time we restart with a new issue is a new opportunity for us to do things better than we did before. Um, And that's, that's pretty cool.
1: If you had your choice, would you prefer to live with a novel for three years in this, to to have the same end, to be able to let it grow in the way that you can
0: with this, with an ongoing comic? No, I would lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would just be too long with one thing. Yeah. And not seeing any like res- if it was like released serially. Not that I like need like the gratification, but like to hold on to it and and all that time being like, Is it good? Is yeah. it good? Yeah. Do you guys yeah, think yeah. it's good? <laughs> like <laughs> the self-doubt would be crippling. <laughs> <laughs> the self-doubt would be crippling. It was three years. You'd be like, okay. Well, this better be great. Yeah, just spent three years on it. <laughs> Where a comic can get canceled, at least. Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? that's true. <laughs> you can be put out of your misery at some <laughs> point. <you know? laughs> um,
1: I think, and correct me if you think that I'm wrong in saying this, but I think that it's n- never been easier for a young writer um, to get his or her words out there and to find an audience, you know, and to have people read what they do. But at the same time. I think it's probably never been harder to do what you're doing is to be a full-time writer, making a living with it. Um, Would you, knowing that and knowing what you've been through and knowing what you are dealing with now with your books and, 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 and and marketing and selling and writing and, and, and the hustle, would you still recommend writing as a career?
0: I mean, I mean, I would, because if that's what you want to do and that's what you're passionate about, um, I could never tell anybody to not pursue that, you know? Um, but at the same time, I would be honest with it. It's funny cause I, I, I was just talking about this recently. Like, I don't think it's ever been harder. Like you yeah. said, yeah, there's so many avenues and there is so much opportunity, but like making a career out yep. of it, yep. you know? You know, Marvel and DC has never been really more kind of rigid in their storytelling. They're, they're really kind of looking for a very specific story because they have such, you know, robust IPs that um, so many people are looking at and, and they want to secure that because they have their cinema and they have their TV and, and everything like that. Uh, and that's not a criticism. That's just that's just fact. That's how it is. You know, yeah. that's just how it is. So, like, it's harder than ever to get into that world um to do your own comics um it's it's a remarkable risk you know the the comic book market's never been great except for like you know the period of a sneeze in the 90s you know like (laughs) um and um you know that was just a bubble um so there are there's a lot i mean it's never been easy but i think it's been harder and i don't envy you know you know younger writers trying to come up now specifically in comics but at the same time at the same time there is hope because like the re- way I've survived is being able to diversify and you can diversify by like you know write some books write some screenplays write for TV write a movie write a video game you know like there's lots of different things that you can do you know i've heard and i forget who said this to not to me, but it was on a podcast or something. And he explained the life of like an entertainer. And that's a writer. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. not, you're an entertainer. Sure. Um, and there used to be a time where it'd be like, you have a pool and there'd be like basically one or two, you know, hoses, big hoses, blasting water into your pool and keeping it full. But now the reality is that you have like 30 small hoses. Um, you know, you, you have you know, your Patreon, you can have a podcast, you can do, there's lots of ways to bring in a little bit of revenue to have those little, bit, you know, those little, you know, poses, you know, a Kickstarter, or whatever, that are filling up your pool and making it work. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more hustle. It's a lot more, you know, you're splintering your mind, which is not always the most creatively satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither is, you know, working a job that you hate a <laughs> time So, um, so it's a mix. It's a mixture of like finding your way and be having the flexibility to find your way with not, not all writers have, or not all writers, you know, want to do that. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before I let you go.
1: I'm going to ask you we're going to we're going to get into some of the geeky weeds here and I'm going to ask you a few quick questions um, call this the lightning round and, and just real quick answers um, sure. to, to, to a few questions. And most of them are geeky Star Wars questions because I figured you'd appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> um,
1: uh, OK, looking at episode nine, if this is truly the last one of these episodic Star Wars Star, uh, Skywalker films, what one question do you want answered? Oh, boy.
0: Oh, uh, what do I want to answer in episode nine? God, now I, I know this is this is blasphemy. This is such blasphemy to say, but God, I just really want to know who Snoke was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let it go, man. He was I, nobody. <laughs> I love it thematically. I love that, like he, you know, he died the way the Emperor died because his hubris, etc. I like, but I'm like. I'm just so curious about that Star Wars lore. I'm like, who the hell was this guy? <laughs> you know, like, and uh, like just the nerd in me. I don't require it, but I kind of like, I'm kind of curious. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. With
1: which character, Star Wars or otherwise, do you most identify?
0: Um, like of the new ones or just any?
1: Any. I mean, it doesn't oh. even do stuff. Like, fictional character. Like, which which fictional character do you look at and be like, yeah, that's me.
0: Totally. Oh, Obi-Wan,
1: for sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Favorite thing about the prequel trilogy?
0: Um, I love the beginning, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. I think it's the most awesome Star Wars that you can possibly ask for. It's funny. It's, like, thrilling. It's It's just great lightsabers, like, that's that's really that's what i go for least favorite thing about the original trilogy the original tri- oh i thought you were gonna say the prequels i was like attacking the clones no no no. No, no 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 yeah that just
1: wholesale Attack of the clones
0: <laughs> um being honest um i don't like this is this is probably super nerdy but like i don't like the cinematography of return of the jedi i don't really? think the movie looks good the whole movie uh, no, I not the whole thing, but a lot of it. I don't Come think was shot the shot throne so
1: room, low. the throw room duel is, is pretty, is pretty sweet though.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I thought Endor like the bad matte paintings at the beginning were, okay. Ooh, boy. <laughs> um, you, you go that you go from like how, like the masterful choreo- cinematography of empire to like, yeah, how a lot of Jedi looked and it's like, Ooh, man,
1: I think they it's were probably sad. focused too much on the special effects and they for- you forgot about how, pretty it should look as they were as it was on screen yeah that's 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 a great possibility yeah yeah ray or leia ray han or poe han favorite star wars story
0: including legends oh man uh gosh i mean i mean you just want to say empire but um gosh that's a, that's a great question now not <laughs> really tied up. There's so, it's weird. There's so many things I can think of and they all come from rebels. Yeah. I love yeah. rebels so much. I love, um, I don't know if this is like a story per se, but like the relationship between Ezra and Kanan and Hera, mm-hmm. that might be my favorite star Wars stories. It's their story. Like the Kanan slipping into his father figure and Hera's, you know, this, 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 this Remarkably brave and smart leader who's like also shepherding this family and, and Ezra's coming of age, you know, underneath the you know beneath the both of them. I love that story. Yeah, well, fair enough. I will take it because I agree. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what color is your lightsaber? Ah, uh, blue. Obi Wan. <laughs> favorite favorite franchise that is not Star Wars. Oh, huh.
0: Let's see. I mean, da, 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 da. there's so many, I'm trying to think like, trying to think not to go to comics, but maybe I should go to comics. Mm, shoot. Cause there's so many comic series that I can go to, but mm-hmm. uh, man, you've, you've tied me up here. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> know Put you on the Apes, spot with every one of uh, these. Battlestar. Of the
1: would be a good answer.
0: Yeah. i will go with one of those. All right. Favorite bad movie, which is totally subjective. I know. Favorite bad movie. Um, this is just this is a bad movie, uh, but I love it. Uh, Krull. Krull. You know, I've never seen it. It's terrible, but it's great. I, know. <laughs> I think my favorite bad movie is Beastmaster.
1: Oh, Beastmaster's not so bad. I love that movie. I yeah. watched it when I was a kid. Every time it was on TV, I'd watch it because I love it so much. That makes sense. Uh, all right. And most memorable
0: celebrity encounter? Ah. Uh... Let's see. I was going to tell a story that would make me sound really bad. So I'm not going to, I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, the one that comes to mind was I, I was a, I was an extra at uh, on the movie uh, Road to Perdition. And really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it. it there's a, a good number of films shot in Chicago, and I was being extra. I was in like Ocean's Eleven, and I was in a few things. Uh, you wow. never see me, but um, – yeah. And I remember meeting Tom Hanks there. We were specifically instructed, like, "Don't talk to Tom Hanks. Don't ever talk to him." And I was like, "That can't be real. It's Tom Hanks. He's so nice, right?" Yeah, right. And I went up, and it was like at a long day of shooting. It's like four AM, and I was like, "Hey, you know, Mr. Hanks, I just want to say, uh, you know, I love your work. And I'm such a fan." And um, um, he just he, he was not mean, but he just could not care less. Yeah. It <laughs> and was I don't, four AM. You're talking to Tom me. Hanks. No, yeah. <laughs> I do not blame him. I was totally out of line. <laughs> oh,
1: man. You, like, shattered the bubble. Like, he's not always Mr. Perfect?
0: No, not at 4 a.m. after, like, 11 hours of, <laughs> you know, period peace shooting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this has been The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at The GBB Podcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The RoarBots. Take care.